When you hear the word creepy, please don't point at anybody, but what comes to mind? I, I think in our society today, uh, we have a picture or two that uh, clowns have, have you noticed that? Clowns have become, if you keep up with modern theater at all, we have another picture, that's creepy. Uh, that's, you know, if you saw that outside of your house, you'd probably at least use your shotgun on the balloons, wouldn't you? I mean, that's, that's kind of creepy. What, the, the word creepy, and I'm kind of giving you the, the, uh, the slang version or definition, it, it just means it's odd. It's something that makes you feel uncomfortable. It's just not, not right with it or not right about it. And in Leviticus 19 this evening, we're going to look at some things that, that are not just sinful, they're creepy sinful. You know, they're just, they're just wrong and they don't, they shouldn't feel good. They shouldn't look good. But surprisingly, they're so common in our world today. We're in Leviticus 19, and every time I hear that we're in a series in Leviticus, even though that I'm the one who decided we would be, hopefully God did, that we'd be in Leviticus, it makes me nervous. Because when you read Leviticus, you normally don't think about applicable, do you? You think about procedures and ceremonies and cows getting killed and you're not eating those cows, so it doesn't sound real good. But man, the truths in this chapter alone are so timeless. From thousands of years ago to today, they still apply so well. So let's look at some creepy things that were happening thousands of years ago and that, that have happened today in Ruston. And let's see uh, that we don't do these things when they're not a part of your life and my life. Here's the first thing, and I'm going to explain this a little more because it's pretty generic. Don't do other people wrong. Don't do others wrongly. Don't do wrong to other people. In verse 13 of chapter 19, the very part A, the first part of that, do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Defraud means to oppress someone or to do, do them wrong. It's a violation. And I think that in the context, it's specifically talking about financially, materially. Rob means what you think it does. It means to take something that's not yours. Normally, you would think of defrauding is going to be a little more of a passive way, and robbing is more of an aggressive way, whether it's an aggressive arm robbery or someone coming when you're asleep and stealing your lawnmower. He says, do not, do not defraud or rob your neighbor. The Jewish people argued for thousands of years, and they were arguing in Jesus' day, who is your neighbor? And, and a lot of them wrongly defined the neighbor as just a fellow Jewish person. That was your, your fellow Jewish person, your fellow Baptist, your fellow Christians, your neighbor. And, and literally, you could do what you wanted to to anybody else. And Jesus came in. Remember, he told a story called the Good Samaritan, and he made the Samaritan who, to the Jewish people, would have been the ultimate enemy. He made him the hero, and Jesus basically said, that's your neighbor. Jesus defined your neighbor as your fellow human being. And so this passage is simply telling us, hey, don't flat out steal from, from other people. But I think it's telling us something maybe you and I need to hear a little more closely tonight. Don't take advantage of people. Don't violate other people materially or financially. And again, I think this message is so timeless. If I told you God says don't go steal their lawnmower, you'd get it. I hope you wouldn't get their lawnmower. You would get what I was saying. But a lot of times people sitting in church, we can be a little more shady and justify it. You know, I think about stories I've heard through the years, and I've experienced and you have, where maybe it was a mechanic, maybe it was a repairman who 
manipulated the bill a little bit. Lawyer could do that. I'm sure a preacher could do that. It's not, I'm not picking on any profession. But you know, you, 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 you didn't really just come out and steal their money. You just overcharged them, right? But everybody does it. So if you do it in your business, then that's okay, right? It's not okay. Maybe you've had the experience of someone coming out and looking at your your car, or you're taking your car in, looking at your engine, or looking at something in your home, and they tell you, oh, you know what, you're going to need something brand new, and by the way, the only thing that will work for you is the Cadillac, uh, you know, and it's going to cost you $7,000, and by the way, if you're a billionaire, $7,000 isn't anything, is it? But if you're most of us, we feel that. Then you find out later you didn't need it at all. And how many does that bother you, y'all, when that happens to you? That's what God's talking about here. You know, to me, that's not only sinful, it's not only wrong, it's creepy, isn't it? It, It's creepy, it's odd, it's uncomfortable, it's not the way it should be. I think Jesus would ask you and me this, this evening, how much is your name and reputation worth to you? It, it amazes me. Some people will sell their soul for $100. And they would cheat you out of $100 and sacrifice their name and their reputation. What's your price? Is it 10000 Around the church, we agree it would have to be at least a billion dollars before we would do you wrong. I don't want to go to prison and lose my name for any amount of money. But why would someone do that for 10000 or or 1000 or to take advantage of you of some deal? God tells us very simply, very clearly, don't do other people wrong. Here's the second thing he tells us. Don't take advantage of those you can take advantage of. Sounds pretty simple, but man, it's so common. Look at the last part of verse 13. Do not make your hired workers wait until the next day to receive their pay. Well, what was going on here? Well, this was several thousand years before Jesus... And poverty was rampant. Poverty's rampant today. They didn't have refrigeration. They didn't have ways of heating and cooling and keeping foods. And a lot of people, especially poor people, man, they lived day to day, hand to hand, mouth to mouth. What they ate is what they went and bought that afternoon or that evening or what they killed and what they could buy to kill to eat. And he was telling the people who were a little well, better well off than these people You don't withhold what you owe somebody when you owe it to them. Am I resonating to you? This will make us a little uncomfortable, maybe. He was telling them that these people need that pay to live. By the way, you probably agreed to pay them that day. So you're going to let them go home without doing what you said you would do. He's telling them, he's telling us. When they need that money to get by, and you go, well, how does that apply to us today? It applies to us in a thousand and one ways. It's when we take advantage of people that we can take advantage of. I grew up in West Tennessee, and there were still, when I was a kid, a lot of farms around there, and people who had owned farms for generations. In fact, if you wanted to be a farmer, you pretty much need to come from farm kinfolk in, in nowadays. You can't go out, so you got a lot of money, and buy 10,000 acres and all the equipment. And I remember hearing stories when I was a little boy about old farmers that had a lot of land and they had a lot of workers. It wasn't a race thing. There were white people and black people who worked for them. They were, they were often very, very poor people. 
And they wouldn't pay them much. And then a lot of times they would have their little country store on the property. These people couldn't, a lot of them didn't have cars or vehicles, couldn't get in town. So when they were paid, the only place they could buy their groceries and their clothes were at the store owned by the person who owned the farm. They jacked up the prices and they cheated their workers out of money. I heard of one old farmer and the kinfolk laughed, not my kinfolk, their kinfolk laughed about it. He would pay them on Friday and then he'd go down to where they lived on Friday night and they'd all get drunk. He'd provide the liquor. He wouldn't get drunk and then he would gamble with them and cheat them and get his money back. Wow. You think God saw that? You bet he did. Taking advantage of people you can take advantage of. I'll bring it home more personally. I'll tell you a story about me being creepy one time. When we were living in Texas, I had a friend who pastored. I didn't pastor a big church, but I was a full-time pastor, and they paid me uh, well, and, I, and, and we were taken care of. And he pastored a little bitty church, and he pastored this church, and he worked full-time on the side, a full-time job, and he had a wife and little kids. And he, he had talked, and he, he had uh, told me about this good Bible set of commentaries he wanted to, that he and I needed to get. He said, well, I'll buy you a set, and you can pay me, and I'll bring them to you. I agreed. And one day he shows up, and he brings those to me. And I could tell, by the way, he hung around my office for about an hour after he gave them. He wanted his money right then. And, and I mean, he, wasn't, he was very nice about it and everything, but my, I certainly was going to pay him. I was going to write him a check and mail it to him. You know, you know how we do business? I was going to get it to him in a week. But, but finally, I kind of asked him, do you need the money now? And he said, yes. And I was very Christian. I was annoyed, but I didn't show it. You know how we do that whole, thank you, brother. I love you. And... So I wrote him a check and gave it to him. And then later, the Holy Spirit kind of punched me in the gut. And he said, you know what? Then that guy is working two jobs. He's got a wife and kids. And $50, you could have waited a week to have got that from somebody. It wouldn't have mattered to you. It mattered to him. Pay people when you should pay people. I'll tell you another story from my hometown. One of my friends who's not a Christian, he's my age and... Never has given his life to Christ, still. This was probably 20 years ago, and he's a contractor in, in the West Tennessee area. And he told me about a person we both knew who was a big-time roller uh, and, and, and uh, goer in that area. Also a big-time, well-known Christian businessman in his church and leader. And, and uh, you know what he said? He said, he always invites me to church. He said, I would never go to church with that guy. I said, well, I'm interested to hear that since that's my profession. He said, well, here's what he does to me and other people. This guy's a multimillionaire. I do a job for him. He doesn't pay me when the job's done. 30 days later, my secretaries are calling asking for the money. And finally, 60 days later, sometimes when we have to get a lawyer to call, they will cut us a check. And I find out what they're doing. They're trying to hold on to the money and make as much interest on it as they can. But he said, you know what? This guy says he's a Christian, and he doesn't pay me when he should pay me. You know what? My lost friend's exactly right. That's wrong. Boy, you are quiet. Why? See, this hits home, doesn't it? Folks, I want to tell you, it would be far better to pay, overpay somebody and pay them too soon than to be slow to pay and not pay him enough. Boy, isn't Leviticus relevant? Don't take advantage of people you can take advantage of. 
Here's the third thing. Don't mistreat people, those who can't defend themselves. This is not a karate lesson. This is a Bible lesson. Now, certainly all these things go together, but there is some differences. That's why they're put in the Bible. Don't mistreat people who can't defend themselves. Look in verse 14. You're talking about creepy. Do not insult the death or cause the blind to stumble. That's creepy. Amen? Write that in your notes in your Bible. Creepy. If you've got a study Bible, it may already be in there. Creepy. That's the Hebrew word there. In Jesus' day, as well as back several thousand years before Jesus, blindness and, and deafness were very prevalent. The problem then, too, was you didn't have much chance of a cure at all unless it was a miraculous thing from God. America's got a ton of faults, but, boy, we have some social programs that do help provide, hopefully, for people who can't work or who have issues where they can't take care of themselves. Back in Jesus' day, but then go back several thousand years earlier to Leviticus, if you were blind or you were deaf, if you didn't have family take care of you, you were, you were in bad, bad trouble. You were probably consigned to be a beggar. It was going to be tough. And, and why does God have to say this? Don't slander, don't curse a deaf person. Wow. Probably because it happened. Probably because it still happens. Cindy, you and I have a friend, uh, some friends that, uh, the, the, they're divorced now. Maybe after I tell you the story, you'll know why. She was, she's about 90% deaf. And he, he is probably hard of hearing because he's an older man now, but he, he has good hearing. And, and the joke always used to be when, when they would get in an argument and she would turn around, he would express himself. You hear me? She couldn't. <laughs> so, you know, he'd tell her off, and, and a lot of it was done in fun and laughter. But, you know, now when I think about it, I think that's kind of what he's talking about here. Uh, but I think, too, maybe he's saying this. Maybe he's not just talking about people who are physically deaf, people who aren't there. We'll talk about that more in a few weeks. But to curse or to slam people who can't defend themselves? Wow. And he's, he talks about putting a stumbling block before the blind or cause the blind to stumble. That word stumble can mean literally a stumbling block. It can mean literally an obstacle. What kind of creep would you be to do that? But it can also mean to cause someone to, to fail or to come to ruin. It could be someone maybe who's not just blind, but maybe someone who's simple that can't defend themselves, can't take care of the situation, and that you take advantage of them or you mistreat them or you do them wrong. I had a guy tell me this was many years ago in another state. There's nobody you know, I promise. He was a car salesman. He's a Christian now. He wasn't then. He certainly wouldn't do it now. But I remember him telling me this story and how it just made me cringe he was a young man at the time, and a young single woman came in to buy a car, and she had good credit. So as they sat and talked, he began to add on thing after item after item. When he looked at her financing, I think he financed it for 72 months when he could have financed it for 48. When he looked at what he would charge interest instead of probably what she could have got, 4 or 5%, he charged her 12 
And probably at the end of six years, when the car was broken down and ruined, she had probably paid $12,000 more for it than she should have. You know why he did it? Because he could take advantage of her. Now, she wasn't physically blind or deaf, but she wasn't even mentally challenged, but she just didn't know what she was doing. She couldn't defend herself in that situation. And you know what God says? That is so wrong. That is so wrong. See, a lot of times things we would say, well, that's just business. That's how you do business. That's how creepy, dishonest, non-Christian behaving people do business. Amen? So what do we do? What do we do? I want to give you a last big thought tonight. Find your motivation for doing right in these areas. What will cause you or me to do right in these areas? There, there could be 50 reasons. I'm just going to give you a few from the, the Bible right here. Number one, you should be a positively different person. One of the things that God was trying to communicate to the Jewish people in this passage is, I want you to be different. One of the things God says about Christians, I want you to be positively different. Look in verse 2. We looked at this a few weeks ago. Give the following instructions to the entire community of Israel. You must be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. Over in 1 Peter, it tells us as Christians, we are to be holy. As God is holy, we are to be holy also. I want to give you, holiness literally means to be separate or it means to be set apart. But let me give you a good working definition of holiness. Holiness means you should be purely and positively different. I've known people who were holy and hateful. You, you know, they, that's the Pharisees. I'm holy, I don't do wrong, and I will condemn you and judge you if you do. You know anybody like that? I call them the holy hatefuls. The holy and hateful. Holiness is just not, I don't do things I shouldn't. Holiness is, I don't do things I shouldn't. But there's also something positively different about me. Hey, if you're a Christ follower, there should be something positively different about you that would cause you not to intentionally do other people wrong. Not to take advantage of those people just because you can. Not to mistreat people who can't defend themselves. Do you agree with what I'm saying? I hope so. Let me give you a second thing, and that's the, the we, we treat people from a heart of love. Why shouldn't we do these things that ought to come from a heart of love? In verse 18, this is kind of the holiness and the love are kind of the bookends. Don't seek revenge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord your God. The bottom line is, would y'all agree with me? When The bottom line is if you do these things to other people, there's a heart problem, but there's a love problem. Would you agree? Some of you would. I love my wife and my daughters. I love my other daughter, my son, my grandkids. I love my dogs, but they're, they're here right now. So I'm, I love them. They've given me gray hair, but I love them. Y'all are not even fun tonight. What's wrong with y'all? So let me tell you, because I love them, I'm not going to cheat them. 
I'm not going to steal from my wife or daughter. I'm not going to curse them. I'm not going to withhold good from them or, or put a stumbling block. I mean, I might try to trip them some at home in the dark or something. I'm not going to take advantage of my wife and daughter because I love them. See, the bottom line is, is people who act horrible and cheat and do wrong to other people, there's a love problem. You don't cheat somebody in a business deal if you love them. Amen? You don't. You don't build up. You don't take advantage of. You don't cause people who can't defend themselves to fall or to be pushed aside if you love them. We find a motivation to do right in these areas because we should be positively different and because of love. And if that doesn't work, let me give you one more. We treat people well because God Almighty is keeping score. Are you awake now? Oh, that love stuff, that holiness stuff. Wait a second. God has a paddle, and he will use it, and he doesn't have to have your mama's permission. It's kind of interesting in my studies, the ancient world in, in the, where the Israelites lived, they, they, many of them believed in multiple gods, but even they held to kind of a belief that, that the gods were watching humanity and that the gods expected there to be some ethical behavior, at least among people of the same groups and tribes, and that the gods would interfere or intervene when there wasn't. That's kind of what this verse says. Look at the end of verse 14. Don't insult the deaf. Don't cause the blind to stumble. You must fear your God. I am the Lord. The word fear there means to revere. It means to honor, but it also means to be afraid of. It means to not only respect, but to know that we're going to answer to God. And we won't be able to play excuses or rationalize or justify or deny. When it comes to God, the justice is going to be Perfectly fair and straightforward. In other words, that when we cheat people, we deceive people, we make a little money we shouldn't off somebody's back. When we take advantage of somebody who can't fight back or defend themselves, we need to understand God is watching and keeping score. And that we're going to answer for that someday. The old saying, being scared straight, that ought to scare us a little bit straight, shouldn't it? It ought to affect how we do life and how we do business. This very evening in Texas, I imagine it's already happened, unless the Supreme Court intervened, a man named Anthony Shore was put to death by lethal injection. He was known as the tourniquet killer in Houston. He was sentenced because of sexual assault and torture and killing women. And I'm not saying women are weaker. I mean, Hillary can beat me up, I'm sure. She'd fight me. There ain't no doubt about that. But that, you know, honestly, uh, most cases, a, a man is a stronger, bigger being. So this, this guy... This guy sexually assaulted, tortured, and killed women. A 21-year-old, a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 9-year-old. Everything that we talked about tonight in the worst-case scenario. Ten years, he got away with it. Wasn't caught. You got away with a crime for ten years. You're free, aren't you? Yeah, God's watching. 
Some DNA came up from another crime he had committed while he was in jail on some sexual assaults against family members, and it matched him to these killings, and he came clean eventually. I know nothing about the man but what I've read. I hope he made peace with Jesus Christ before he died. But that's an example when you do wrong. I mean, that's an ultimate example, an extreme example. But when you take advantage of people and you do wrong to people, you may get away with it for a while. But God's watching. And eventually there will be a a, a reckoning Oftentimes here on earth, but there certainly will be someday when we stand before God. I want to ask you this evening, how are you doing in these areas? I love what John Maxwell said, the leadership guru. He said, there's no such thing as business ethics. Are you still listening? He said, ethics are ethics. (laughs) You don't have one ethics at work and one at church. Ethics are ethics. Maybe, maybe your need tonight is you need to be born again. And when we give our invitation, would you come tonight and give your life to Christ? We'll help you do that. Come do that tonight. Maybe you'd like to join our church. We would love for you to. I believe we're a church that wants to be sweet and righteous. We want to be holy and loving. Come and join us tonight. Maybe you're a Christian, and many of you are doing well in these areas. Keep it up and stay humble because it's easy to get sidetracked, isn't it? Maybe you need to repent tonight. Maybe where you're standing or maybe here at the altar, you want to come and pray or or pray with a minister. We'd love to help you. Let's stand. Let's do business with God.